the Eddie B. Sit edition of the Talmud Babli. Masikat Shekalim has been dedicated by Dr. Isaac Meddeb and his wife Lily in memory of Moshe ben Nachel Man. Ruach Hashem Tanihainu Began Eden. We hope that the learning of the 22 Dapim of Masikat Shekalim will be a a ilui neshama for the niftar Moshe ben Rachel. Tehi nishmatot zerura b'tzor rachayim. Amen. Daf he. Today's daf has been dedicated in honor of Farah and Ivan Saud by their son Sami Saud. <coughs> Today's daf is being studied the ilui nishmat Achim Baruch Rafael ben Miriam and Avraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem. Amen. We begin today's daf on daf Dalid Amud Bet, and we start two lines from the bottom. Rabbi Hiya Amar Rabbi Yirmiya Ba'e. So Rabbi Hiya, in the name of Rabbi Yirmiya, asked the question. Why don't we say Pa'amim Shem Hayavim Meaning our Mishnah talked about cases where um, there is an inverse relationship between the Hayuv of Ma'asir Behema and the payment of Kalbon. Uh, we talked about a case where the brothers inherited uh, the father's estate. So we explained that so long as they did not go partners, so there is a hayuv in ma'asir behema. However, there is no hayuv in kalbon. However, once they uh, do go partners, so the hayuv of ma'asir behema goes off. Uh, however, then in that case, if let's say the two brothers would pay with one coin, there would be a hayuv of kalbon. So the Gibraltar's question is, good, that's two cases. But why don't you give me two different cases where you always will be Hayav in Ma'asir and Kalbon? Or give me another case where you'll always be Patur, Ben be Ma'asir be Ma, Ben be Kalbon. Now, what are those cases where you'll always be Hayav or you'll always be Patur? So the Gemara goes on to explain. And the Gemara says, well, we skip the parentheses. Halku nechasim velo halku Let's say they divided the property. But they did not divide the livestock. Hayavim ubaze. Well, if they didn't divide the livestock, which means they didn't make a partnership in the livestock, so therefore they're going to be hayav and maser beema, as well as uh, the fact that they were holek the nechasim, but they divided the nechasim. That's let's say the other assets besides the animals, and they went partners. So therefore the deen is going to be, you're hayav in ma'asir be'ema, and you're going to be hayav in kalbon. Why didn't the Mishnah give us that case? Now, the other case would be, halkua be'ema. Let's say they divided the be'ema, and they went partners. So that will be a p'tur in ma'asir be'ema. Ve'lo halku it nechasim. But they did not divide the nechasim, meaning it stayed in the yirusha. So then it's the deen of what? P'turin, mizeh mizeh. So therefore the question was, you could have given us Two more cases, either both of Hayyuv and both of Ptud. So the Gemara now goes and qualifies what we just said. Amar Rabbi Mana. Rabbi Mana says, Hada de'at Amar. That which you said, when they divided the Nechasim, but they did not divide the livestock, and therefore you wanted to say that they're going to be Hayav 
in both. So when is that? That's only talking about where the animals were not the majority of the estate, of the assets. But if of the assets, the animals were considered the majority, that's considered meaning, even though they split up the nechassim, that's the other assets, if the animals are considered rov, it's considered they didn't split up the nechassim. Because everything follows the rov of the assets. And therefore, if they didn't split up the nechassim, it's still considered um, the fathers. And therefore, um, uh, they would not be hayav a kalbon. So again, the only time when they split the nechassim, where we say they're going to be hayav a kalbon, because now each guy uh, has their, um, their nechassim, and we say that what? That uh, now they have a shutafut, and therefore when they give one uh, uh, selah for two people to be hayav a kalbon, that's only talking about when they divided at a time that that was the majority of the nechassim. However, if the majority was the behemah, even though they were split up the nekasim, that splitting up the nekasim is not considered a division, because it follows the majority of the assets, and therefore they would not be hayaf kalbon, it would be considered still part of the uh, original estate, and therefore it would be patur. Now, we learned in the Mishnah that when the brothers do not uh, divide the estate, which means they're not partners, so then they're hayav in ma'asir, because there's no partnership ma'asir behemah, there's hayuv in ma'asir um, behemah. However, they're exempt from the kalbon. Now we never explained what's the logic why they're exempt from the kalbon. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Abin Amar Rabbi Shami or Shamai Ba'i. Rabbi Abin said that Rabbi Shamai or, uh, yeah, had a question. Just because you consider them all one, meaning, since they did not uh, split the Maaser Behemah, meaning they didn't make a partnership yet in the Maaser Behemah, just they had a, uh, uh, a division uh, amongst each other. So therefore you want to tell me that they're going to be Hayab in Maaser Behemah. At potro mena kalbon. So therefore you want to say that the patur from kalbon, which is, what does one thing have to do with the other? Why should they be patur from gold? Bottom line, who's paying it over here? The brothers have these assets over here. They're going to take a selah, and they're going to go to the Benta Mikdash, and they're going to pay their hayub of shekalim. Why is one thing depend on the other? Just because they didn't, you consider them one, meaning you consider the, 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 the hayub of ma'asir behemah. When let's say they the, the, got the ma'asir behemah from the, or they divided the assets amongst the uh, brothers. However, they didn't go into a partnership. So what did you say? There's a hayuv of ma'asir behemah. Oh, but at that point over there, there's a p'tur in kalbon. Why is, why is the p'tur in kalbon? Meaning, bottom line, they're paying the uh, shekel from uh, the assets that they inherited. Why shouldn't there be a hayuv in kalbon as well? So the Gebra says, uh, that's the answer. Amar Lo shanyahi. So he said, "What do you mean? Isn't there a difference into what you're asking? Isn't there a, 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 a isn't it unusual from the normal case? Sheunoten sela achat shelema, which means in this case over here, when the brothers are giving the sela, it's from an undivided estate, and since it was undivided, 
it's considered as if the father's paying it, like we learned yesterday. Which means, that until they actually divide the uh, estate uh, amongst them, true there'll be a chayuv in ma'asir be'ema. Because ma'asir be'ema, the, 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 there's a chayuv on the, on the, the, the estate to give the ma'asir be'ema. There, there was no purchase over it yet, and there was no... Um, Partnership over here. So of course the Ma'asir Behemah comes. But the Hadush is, yes, when they pay, we consider as if the father was paying it. And therefore we learned in the Mishnah yesterday that when somebody else pays for the Hayuv uh, of somebody else, like uh, uh, somebody pays the Ma'asir the for Ani. So we said they waive the deed of the Kalbon. So that's the way we consider it over here as well. And we consider it as if it's part of the estate originally until they divide it amongst themselves. We look at it as the father paid it. So the Gibran says, oh yeah, according to this, according to this, Afidu Halku Tefu. So we should say, go take it a step further. Even let's say when they made a partnership amongst the brothers. So we said, oh, once they made a, a, a partnership, yeah? So a partnership, we said the Hayav in uh, the Kalbon. Then they dissolve the partnership. So once they dissolve the partnership, we should say what? It goes back to becoming the original estate of the father, and it should also be patun from kalbon. However, that's not the dinu. Dinan hayavim bekalbon However, we clearly said that if there was a partnership, and the partnership was dissolved, so therefore there is a chayuv in ma'asir behema, but there's a patun in kalbon. Why don't you say that once there was a partnership, and the partnership was dissolved, it goes back to the original estate of the father. So the Gemara says, no, it doesn't work that way. Rabbi Babashim Ababaruhuna, he explains, he shene ahim shiarshu et avihem, he shene gisin shiarshu et hamihem. Two brothers inheriting their father are similar to two brothers-in-law who inherited their father-in-law. Which means, just like two brothers-in-law, when they inherit their father-in-law, there is no uh, connection between the two brothers-in-law and the father-in-law. They're inheriting it through their wives. And therefore, let's say they both inherit it at the same time. Then they make a partnership. That partnership over there is a, uh, a, a let's say, a, a partnership between the two brothers-in-law. Then they break up the partnership. When they break up the partnership by two brothers-in-law, it's obvious it doesn't go back to the father-in-law's estate. There was never a connection between the brothers-in-law and the father's estate. There's no direct relationship. So it's like just like a breaking up a regular partnership. It just goes back to each one being an individual. It doesn't resort back to the father-in-law's estate. So the same thing he's telling you when it comes to two brothers. Once two brothers split the estate up and they go partners and then they break the partnership it doesn't go back to the father's estate it's just as if they're back on their own. Once they're back on their own, so there's an obligation of kalbon for each one. So therefore the yeah, there's hayuv kalbon exactly. So therefore, the Gemara is just trying to tell you that um, uh, the hayuv of kalbon uh, is once the brothers went partners. Even if they dissolve the partnership subsequently afterwards, the Hayub of Kalbon does not go off. Now the Gemara goes and tells us, okay, what did they do with this Kalbon? What, what purpose, how did they spend it in the Beit HaMikdash? So comes the Gemara and says, comes the Gemara and says, Le'echan hayuwa Kalbonot Noflim. To where did the Kalbonot get spent? Meaning, what did they use it for? Rabbi Meir Omer Neshkalim. Rabbi Meir says the Shkalim. Well, of course, Rabbi Meir is going to Shitato. Because Rabbi Meir held, if you remember in yesterday's daf, that the Hiyu from the Torah is to give Shekel plus a Kalbon. That's the Hiyu from the Torah. 
So therefore, of course, wherever the shekel goes, the kalbun has to go to the same place, meaning to buy timidin, to buy korbanot of the sibur, because it has the same level as the shekel. So the bimi'ir is going, the shitato. Rabbi la'azar omer, lindaba. Rabbi la'azar says, it goes to lindaba, meaning for kayit samizbayah. Meaning they buy korbanot with this just to keep the mizbayah always working. There's never supposed to be a lull on the mizbayah. So with these uh, uh, extra uh, kalbons, we use it for that. Rabbi Shem'on Shezuri Omer, Rabbi Shem'on Shezuri says, zahav. They were used to buy uh, sheets of beaten gold, and they were used for plating the Kodesh Kodashim, which means to cover the floor and the interior walls of the Kodesh Kodashim was all gold. So therefore they would use this money to buy the sheets of gold in order to make this plating. Ben Azai Omer, Shulhanin Otan Ben Azai says, no, the Kalmanot go to the money changers. After all, the money changers were doing the transaction. So you had to pay them a, uh, a fee. So therefore, that was their um, uh, fee that they got. Again, it seems, uh, that, of course, because they were neglecting their regular work. After all, now they had to start working for the Beit HaMikdash. So to compensate them, they would give them the Kalmanot payment. And some explain it was for the travel expenses, which means you had the money changes that had the journey from uh, different places to get to Yerushalayim. So to pay for their travel expenses, the Kalbon compensated them. Hadran alach perek be'ehad be'adar. And now we move to the second perek. Halakha alif matnitin. Metzarfin shekalim ledarkonot. Our Mishnah tells us that mepenem masui haderech. Our Mishnah tells us that when they would collect the Shekalim, or they have Shekalim in, let's say, outside of Yerushalayim, away from the Bet HaMikdash area, eventually, if they would collect the full amount, they would have to transport them to the Bet HaMikdash. Now, you can imagine how heavy it was to, to carry hundreds or thousands of half shekel coins. So the Mishnah tells us for convenience to save the uh, pressure of carrying, you're able to uh, transfer the Shekalim into Darkonot. Darkonot was a higher denomination. And therefore, it would be, for example, you take uh, you know, four half shekels and you get one Darkon. So therefore, you made the change into higher uh, currency in order that you don't have to carry so much weight to Yerushalayim. So again, Mitzarfin, Shekalim, Ledarkonot. One is able to combine the Shekalim and turn them into Darkonot, that's a coin. Because of the um, uh, burden of carrying it, to ease the burden of carrying the coins. That's the first halakha. Second halakha. Keshem shayu shofarot ba mikdash, kachayu shofarot ba medina. Now, shofarot, we know shofarot in the sense of Rosh Hashanah. These shofarot over here are different. They were the boxes that we used to collect the sedakot, specifically the ma'azita shekel. They were set up in the Medina, meaning outside in the different cities of Eretz Israel. These shofarot, the reason why they called them shofarot was because the boxes looked like a shofar. They were narrow on top and they were wide on the bottom. They did that in order so people cannot stick their hand in and take any money out. It's only one way. So they would put these shofarot in the Medina and they would also have shofarot in in Yerushalayim, by the Bet HaMikdash area, so people just can go and drop their half shekel, uh, you know, hayuv, uh, into the box. Now we go to the third dean of the Mishnah. People of the city, 
they sent an agent with their machazit shekel. You have a city, they collected a thousand shekelim. So they went to the agent, they said, listen, you take the thousand shekel, and you be our shaliyah, go deliver it to the gizbar, to the treasurer in Yerushalayim. What happened on the way? Vinignibu. The monies got stolen. The shekelim got stolen. Or she'avdu. Or they got lost. So then the Gemara, the Mishnah is going to say like this. I'm going to explain it to you outside first, then we'll read it inside. So the deen is like this. This man who's carrying the Shekhalim is considered a Shomer Hinnam. He's not getting paid to do this. He's doing it as a, you know, a service, free. Now, the law of a Shomer Hinnam is, is that all he has to do is swear that he was not negligent. Because a Shomer Hinnam... Or if he was negligent, he has to pay from his own pocket. Negligent means, let's say, you know, he just, uh, he was reckless. You know, he didn't watch it, he didn't protect it, even on a, on a simple level. So it'll be hayab. So he has to swear that he wasn't negligent, and he's off the hook. The she'elahs, who does he swear to? Well, who are the options? Well, you can either swear to the bin ha'ir, to the people that empowered him, or you swear to the bin ha'ir, to the gizbar. Now, when are you going to swear to, 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 to the Gizbar? And when are you going to swear to the um, Bina'ir? So the Mishnah says it depends. We're following the Shittayah that says that, let's say on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, that's when the new fiscal year of the Beit HaMikdash began. So the Kohanim would go into the um, area of the Beit HaMikdash where all the monies were collected, and they would start emptying out the boxes of Shikalim, and they would start putting them in different boxes in order to go start buying the Qurbanot for the coming year. Now, at that point, Al Mishnah holds that the Gizbarim have in mind when they're emptying out the boxes to start to buy the Qurbanot, they're not only having in mind for money that's here, but they also have Kavana for the money that's on the way. Because they want everybody to be part of the uh, Mitzvah of the Qurbanot. So therefore, it's as if at that point on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, any monies that are on the way to the Beit HaMikdash are considered already in the hands of Hikdish. So therefore, the Mishnah is going to tell us, if <coughs> the Geneva was found out upon, after the Kohanim started to empty out the boxes, meaning, after Rosh Chodesh Nisan, so then the agent has to swear to the Gizbar, because now already it belongs to Hikdish already. Because already once the agents have it in mind, it's considered theirs already. So they have to tell the Gizbar, listen, we swear we were not negligent. Okay, so we're not negligent, they're off the hook. But let's say the Geneva was found out before Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And therefore, the agents did not yet acquire it as part of Hikdesh. So then they would have to swear to the people of the city. And they would say, listen, I know you empowered us, but uh, we were not negligent uh, by any uh, means, and therefore they would also be off the hook. So the Mishnah says, If the Tiruma was already taken, Meaning, if already, it was let's say on the second day of Nisan, where already the Turuman Yerushalayim was taken, meaning they start to empty the boxes out, to go start to spend the money to buy the Korbanot, Nishba'in the Gizbarim. Then they have to make the swear to the Gizbarim, to the treasurers of the Metal because already belongs to Hikdish. However, let's say the money that, that, that was found to be stolen before Rosh Chodesh Nisan, so then Nishba'in the Na'ir. Now, Let's say they make that swear. The Mishnah says, "Ubnayir shoklim tachtehim." Now the Bnei have to pay again because they're off the hook. But bottom line, they didn't pay their balance the shekel. So the Mishnah says they have to pay again the shekel. Nimseu oshi aziru maganavim. Now let's say after they paid the second shekel, they found the original shekelim that was stolen. 
Right? All that say the Ganavim return them. Elu ve'elu shekalim. Both payments remain shekalim. There's no refunds. Ve'en olim lahem ba'a. And there's no credit as well. Which means they don't get a credit for next year that they paid their shekel. Meaning that you pay twice this year. Next year you have to pay the shekel again. So comes the Gemara. Comes the Gemara and analyzes. V'ya'asu otan margaliyot. The Gemara says, why do you transfer the money of the shekalim into um, darkonot, which is uh, gold, let's say, coins, why don't you transfer them into pearls? What's the benefit of pearls? First of all, pearls are lighter mm-hmm. than gold, they're and they're worth more. So therefore, if you're looking to try to save the burden, transfer it to pearls and carry the pearls up to uh, Yerushalayim. So the Gemara says, Because we're worried that the price of pearls might go down. Pearls are not like gold. Gold is a, st- uh, a more of a stable uh, commodity. And therefore, not worried about the gold prices going down. But uh, the pearls, we're concerned. It's going to come out that what? If Hegdish is Mafsid. If you had a pearl on the way out, it was worth, let's say, you know, $10,000. By the time you got to Yerushalayim, the pearl market dropped. Now it's only worth $8,000. So now right, who loses? Hegdes loses. So they didn't want to take a chance in carrying the pearls. They would carry it in gold. Kahid uh, Taninam. Similarly to something uh, that we learned. Taman, over there. What did we learn? Vechulan nifdin bekesef ubeshave kesef. All uh, items can be, all items of Egdesh can be redeemed in Kesef, in silver, money, or things that are, uh, have the value, worth of money. For example, let's talk about um, items like Bechor uh, Adam, right? There's a mitzvah Podeh, him at a pigeon, right? With five, uh, five coins. So it's Nifdin Bekesef. So you're allowed to make the pigeon with actual money or things that are worth money. For example, garments. Person, garments have value also. So you want to make the pigeon with something that has it is okay as well. Except the shekel. When you pay your shekel, it cannot be done with things that are valued at money. Why? So it says... Uh, we skip the words bekelim, and we continue. So he explained When it comes to the shekalim, you consider what's going to happen that the price of the kelim are going to go down. Yeah, here you gave a garment, let's say, for the for shekel. By the time the garment gets to the Betamagdash, could be it's going to fluctuate in price. Mm-hmm. So the Gibbana says, just like you don't give Shaveh Kesef, that's, that's something that has a value of Kesef for Shekalim, Vidim Saik Dishmafseed, right? And this is going to lose out. Ufaha Nameh, so to hear, Shemeh Tazila Margaliot, Vidim Saik Dishmafseed. You're worried that the Margaliot are going to go down in price, and Ekdesh is going to lose out. So just like we said, that you can't use Shaveh Kesef to pay your obligation of shekalim, so too we're not going to transfer the shekalim to margaliot, lest the price go down. Comes the Gemara and continues. We learned in our Mishnah that there were shofarot, those were the boxes to collect the shekalim, there were shofarot in the Medina, 
That's in the cities of Yerushalayim. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the cities of Eretz Israel, as well as Shofarot in the Beit Hamikdash area proper. So the Gemara says, Matnita Hatin. That which we learnt that there was Shofarot in the Medina that was only to collect Taklin Hatin. Taklin Hatin means Nu Shekalim, which means in the Medina. They had a box that said Shekalim Hadashim on it. Or in Aramaic, Taklin Hatin. Meaning anybody that had to pay their shekel for this coming year, you could put it in one of those boxes. Now in Eris Israel, meaning in the Beit HaMikdash, there were two boxes. There was one box, Taklin Hatin, one shofar, and there was another box that said on it, Taklin Hatikin. Old Shekalim. Meaning if a guy did not pay his obligation for last year's, so they would put the half a shekel in the special box called Teklin Atikin. So there was a difference between the Shofarot and the Medina and the Megdash. The Medina only had Teklin Atin. But the Megdash had Teklin Atin with Teklin Atikin. Which means if a guy didn't pay up, they made him go all the way to Rushalayim and put it in the special box of last year's fund. Now, of course, that's going to go in a separate box because you're not allowed to spend last year's shekel for this year's, uh, for this year's budget. So they put it in a special they would use it for for the upkeep, upkeep and the maintenance of the Bet HaMikdash. So the Gemara speaks that clearly. Matnita al-Mishnah betaklin hatin. Al-Mishnah that said there was shofarot in the Medina was talking about for new shekalim. Aval betaklin atikim lo beda. However, the deen is not so when it comes to teklin atikim. That was only in... Bet HaMikdash area. And now the Gemara says, Vetanichen. And we have a bright that will support this. Atikim Bamikdash. Meaning they had the box of Teklin Atikim, the old Shekalim in the Bet HaMikdash. Ve'en Atikim Bamedina. But they did not have Atikim in the Medina. Good. Now we discuss the last case of the Mishnah that talked about where a city empowered an agent to be their shaliyah, to go bring the shekalim up to Yerushalayim, and the guy got, uh, or they got robbed, right? And now we discussed the obligation of the shaliyah to make a shivu'ah either to the gizbar or to the benair. So the Gibraltar says, Matnita our Mishnah b'shomer hanam. It's talking about a Shomer Hanam. Aval, Bishomer Sakhar, lo beda. But with a Shomer Sakhar, that's a Shomer that's getting paid, so it's not enough that he makes a Shivu'ah. A Shomer Sakhar, when you get paid to be a Shomer, your obligation is much higher. And therefore, he does not get off the hook just by swearing. Genevan Aveda, a Shomer Sakhar is Hayab. So therefore, we must be, if we're making the guy swear and get off the hook, that's about a Shomer Hanam. That he's just doing it for free. Not for free, you will make a shivuah. However, once you're getting paid, your responsibility is much higher. So therefore, a shivuah to say, oh, you know, I, was, I wasn't negligent. So I can help you. He has to pay regardless. Amar Rabbi Abba. Ve'afilu temar b'shomer sakhar. I can even tell you the case of about a shomer sakhar. Nignebu belistim mizuyin. Meaning, I can say like this. Normally... We say that a Shomer Sakhar, if it gets stolen, he's considered responsible. Why? Because you should have been, uh, you know, you should have protected it. However, a Shomer Sakhar is patur on onsin, meaning if circumstances beyond his control take place, so he's not guilty. So I can give you a case of a Shomer Sakhar. Let's say the, the Shekalim were stolen at gunpoint. 
Which means a guy came with a steam mizuyim. So he's honest. How, how do you want it to protect him? It was uh, your money or your life. So therefore, in that case over there, it will also be patur with a shivua Or avdu bayam. Something happened beyond his control. Right? The boat sunk with the shekalim on them. So you, you can't obligate the guy for that. It's not like he was negligent where he left the shekalim on his donkey un, uh, unwatched, unprotected. So therefore, in that case as well, a shomer sakar would also just make a shivwa that, you know, I, I wasn't negligent and he would be off the hook. In the case where it was the steam mizuhim or the boat sunk. Gemara continues. Amar Rabbi Yostai. Our Mishnah, as we explained, as we learned the Mishnah, must be going like the opinion that says that when they were Torim the Beta Mikdash, meaning when they took the coins out of the big kupa of the Beta Mikdash to start to spend it, so at that point the Kabanah of the Gizbar is not only for the coins that are here, but for the coins that are on the way. And therefore at that point, all the money on the way belongs to. Hegdesh. So therefore, if the Gineva was found out about after the coin was taught him, so that means that money that was on the way was considered already in the hands of Hegdesh, and therefore the swear has to be made to the Gizbar, because it's Tibet to make that said already was ownership of this money. So Rav Yostai says that out clearly. Amad Rav Yostai, Rav Yostai, Atya kemandamar tormin ala gavui, which means they were they are taught him. On the stuff, on the shikhan that were collected, even though they didn't get there yet. Mm-hmm. And even the stuff that wasn't collected yet, that is going to be collected. Yeah, because the Kavanah, the Kohanim is, again, or the Gizbat is, they want to get everybody involved in the Mitzvah. So their Kavanah is that this is, uh, 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 when we start to spend the money, we have everybody in mind. Beram, however, Kemanda Amar, En Tormin Do Ala Gibui, Lo. But Amishnah cannot be going like the opinion that says that they were only Torim for whatever was in front of them. Because mm-hmm. if you only Torim for whatever was in front of them, so then the swear would always be to Bidahir. Because it never belongs to Hekdesh until you actually give it to the Hekdesh. Comes the Lobeda. The Deen would not be so. Comes the Gemara and continues. Again, back to that same case in the Mishnah. The Bnei Ha'ir, they send their um, shikalim uh, with a shaliyah. Amar Rabbi Al-Azhar. Rabbi Al-Azhar said, the Rabbi Shim'on hi. Our Mishnah must be going like Shittat Rabbi Shim'on. Well, what's the Shittat of Rabbi Shim'on? So Rabbi Shim'on has a, uh, uh, a Shittat. There's a question. Do we make a shivu'ah on something that's hikdish? So there's tanaim that say no. Something that is hikdish, if let's say there's a question that got lost and got stolen, there's a shita that says no. You don't swear on hikdish. You only swear on personal personal property, but not on hikdish. Uh, for example, let's say a guy made a nedir to bring a korban ola. And he designated the Qurban and uh, he gave it to a Shomer to watch. Right? And what happened? The Shomer got lost. So here we have a Mahlokit. One Chita says, Well, this is a Hikdesh item, you don't make the Shomer swear. It's not personal, it's like this. The Bishop once says, No, he says, Yahayab the Shomer. Why? Because since you're causing me now 
to pay money. Because if this korban is lost or stolen, I have to replenish it and bring a new one. So any type of hikdesh that forces somebody else to pay as a result, Rabbi Shimon says, you got to swear. So Amish, that must be going like Rabbi Shimon. So the Gemara says this. Amar Rabbi Hazar, the Rabbi Shimoni. Our Mishnah is going to be sure. The Rabbi Shimon Amar Kadashim Shuchayav Be'achariyutan. Any Kadashim, anything that's Kodesh, that your Chayav, you're responsible to replenish it. Kinechasavhin. They're considered as if they're your personal monies, and therefore you have to make a Shua. For example, in this case, the Bnei'ir, like we learned in the Mishnah, they have to replenish the. Shekalim. So therefore, since they have to replenish the Shekalim, so therefore, he's got to swear to them. And they listen, I didn't do anything uh, wrong. Because now they're going to be affected. Good, that's Shittat, Rabbi Shimon. Amar Rabbi Yohanan, Divrakoli. Rabbi Yohanan says, this case is going according to everybody. This has got nothing to do with the regular mahlokit of, do you make a Shivuah on Higdish? Oh, why? Mishum Shivuat Takana. Which means the rabbis made a special takana enactment over here that the sharia has to swear. Why? We don't want him to be lackadaisical on transporting the shekalim. Takana over here, which means if the guy doesn't have to swear, we're worried that the guy's not going to be take his job seriously. But if the guy knows, listen, if anything happens, you're going to have to make a shivwa over here. Now shivwa is not a small thing. He has to make a shivwa betin uh, on the shame of uh, you know in the name of God. So therefore, in order to keep the uh, agent honest and to keep him uh, aware, so the Yohanan is to everybody. In this case, there is a shivwa. It's called shivwaat hatakana. So comes the Gemara and says. This would be like saying It's good according to Rabbi Yohanan According to Rabbi Yohanan makes a lot of sense Either they swear to the Gizbarim Either they swear to the Bin Aid, and they always got to swear. Bottom line, why? Because she wanted Takana, because to keep them, uh, you know, to keep them honest or to keep them uh, aware. Ela le Rabbi Lazar, but according to Rabbi Lazar, that said that Al Mishnah is going like Rabbi Shimon. So now let's analyze. Let's speak it outside first. I understand why they would have to speak, to make a swear to the Bin Aid. Why? Because if they don't swear, so the. Or, 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 the B'nai are going to have to pay back Shekalim. So the rule is that if you're going to cause somebody to have to pay, mm-hmm. so then you have to make a Shivwa. Good. But that only explains one side of the equation. But what about the side of the equation that we said they have to swear to the Gizbarim? Mm. On the side that already belonged to Egdesh, why should they have to swear? They're not causing anybody to pay. Which means once already it gets into Egdesh's hands, the Egdesh doesn't have to replenish it. No. It's just lost. And your rule that Mishimon is you only make a shivu'ah when, when you're making somebody else have to pay. So therefore, the Mishimon, we don't understand one side of the equation of the Mishnah. So the Gibra says, According to the Mishnah, that learned the Mishnah is going like the Mishimon, Nishba'in libna'ir. Right, the fact that you have to swear to the Bina'ir, Hadahid Rabbi Shimon. Good. That's going like Rabbi Shimon, fine. 
Nishpa'in the Gizbarim, but the Saudi you said they have to make a shivwa to the Gizbarim. Gizbarim, my avid tayu. What does that mean? Why are you making a shivwa to the Gizbarim? They don't have to pay back. And therefore the Bishmon doesn't say in that case you have to make a shivwa. So the Gibbara says, you're right. You're right. Nishpa'in libnei ha'ir bima'amad Gizbarim. Which means we're talking about a case over here of a Shomer Sakhar. Okay? The Shomer Sakhar, he's getting paid. Good. <coughs> now, he was innocent. He, he's holding that what? It was honest. There was nothing uh, uh, in his uh, c- capability. Now, he wants to get paid. Shomer Sakhar, he wants to be there. Listen, I did my job. Circumstances happened. I want to get paid. Oh, so he wants to get paid, so he's got to swear in front of the B'nai A'ir that why he did his job. Yeah. However, we bring the Gizbarim at that event so they can hear him make a shivwa. So it says, when it says Nishba'im the Gizbarim, he's not making a swear to the Gizbarim. He's making a swear to the Bina'ir Bima'amad HaGizbarim. Why? Why do you want the Gizbarim there? So the Gibra gives two reasons. In order that they will not suspect him. Which means, we don't want the Gizbarim to think that this guy took the Shekalim for himself. So therefore, they hear the guy himself make a Shivwa, so they're, you know, they're at ease. Furthermore, another reason, we don't want the uh, people to think, the government to think that he was a poshaya, that he was negligent. So therefore, basically, the both reasons why we want the Gizbarim there is to lay their uh, suspicions on the, uh, on the Shalia. So again, according to the Bishamon, you're right. You're never swearing to the Gizbarim. Because the Gizbarim cannot obligate a Shivwa. Because you're not exercising a payment out of them. And what did it say to the Gizbarim? No, it meant that you do it in front of them in order that there should not be a Hashad. So the Gemara says, Now let's say the B'nai'ir tell the Shaliyah, Listen, we don't want you to swear. We'll just pay the Shekel again. Did the B'nai'id have a right to get the Shivwa of the Shaliyah off the hook? Gebra says, no. En belo We do not let the Hegdesh get away without the Shaliyah making a Shivwa. Again, because we want to make sure that they're not going to be Mizalzil. So we want to make the shibwa under all circumstances. Meaning, the B'nai come along and say, you don't have to swear. We'll just pay again. doesn't matter. Let him make a shibwa. We want, uh, we want the shaliyah to know again serious how serious this is over there. You're going to have to make a shibwa under all circumstances. <coughs> Comes the Gemara continues. Hifrish shiklo ve'avad. A new case. <coughs> a guy designated a shekel. Hif a shekel. I designated it. What happened? Before we got to Yerushalayim, the Avad. He lost it. So the Sheila is, does he have to replenish it or not? So the Kibbara says we have a Mahlokit. You're responsible to replace it. Until it gets to the Gizbar's hand, you're obligated. Rabbi Shimon ben Akish Omer, Hekdesh Birshut HaGavawa Bechol Makom Shehu. Wow. No, once already you say, this is my Ma'azit HaShekel, it belongs to Hekdesh. 
So therefore, when it gets lost, who got who lost, loses? Hegdesh loses. So you have a phenomenal mahlokah over here amongst Achavim in this case. So the Gemara says, wait. This is a this is a beferush mishnah that we just had. Gemara says matnita peliga al Shimon ben Nakish. Our mishnah is a clear argument against the Shlakish. Why? Nishbain lebnei Ayir ubnei Ayir shoklim tachten. What do we say over here? In the case where the Shaliyah swears to the Bnei Ayir, right? So I swear, you know, I did not uh, uh, be a Poshaya. So what's the deen? He's off the hook, Bnei Ayir have to pay again. Why did Bnei Ayir have to pay again? Lechara, once they designated their money for the Shekalim, right away it belongs to Hegdesh. Hegdesh bechol makom. And therefore there should not be a Hayyuv to pay again. No matter what it happens. Bottom line, you're t- what's the difference between an individual or a, a Bina'ir? Bottom line, once they picked up their Shekel to give it, it's Hegdesh already. So what do you tell me you have to pay again? Ah, oh, so it's a Kashya on the Shakish. So Kavzi Gavran says, Lo odhi mishum shivuat takana. It's the same logic that we said, that we make them swear under all circumstances. Why? Because we want to keep it, you know, serious that the Shadia will know. So similarly, just like we made Shivuat Takana, we made a Takana as well, that you always have to pay the Shekhalim. Why? Because we want the Bina'ir uh, not to send Shilichim. We want them to send their Shekhalim by themselves. So how do you uh, uh, motivate them not to use a shaliyah? Yeah. You tell them, listen, regardless what's going to happen with this guy, you're going to have to pay your shikadim again. Right. Okay, so then that gives them a motivation to do it themselves. So you're right. Mitzad the deen, Rabbi Shimon Malaki said, they won't have to pay the shikadim again. Mitzad the deen, they, they designated it, belongs to Ekdesh, finished. So the fact that we're making them pay again, that's a special takana. Specifically, when it comes to Bina'il, in order that they shouldn't send it Ayyadish we want them to do it by themselves. Comes the Gemaran continues. Tani, we learned in a Braita. Harishonim noflim litiklin hatin, vashinim noflim litiklin atikin. Meaning, now you found, you found the original Shekalim. Okay, FD, they paid. Now you found the there is. You got two sets of shekalim. So the Gemara says, okay, well, the first set goes for teklin hatin, meaning for this year's budget shekalim hadashim, and the second set that you put in teklin atikin. You put it in, you know, in the old box because you cannot spend shekalim uh, 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 for this year's korbanot. Only, only one payment per customer. You can't pay twice. So one set you put in to clean hatin, and the other set you put in to clean atikin. The question is, is a little vagueness here. What is the first set, and what is the second set? It just says rishonim to clean hatin, and the aharonim is the shinim goes to to clean atikin. So here we have a machloket. So comes the Gemara and says, Rabbi Pinhas ber bihaya the Rabbi Abba. Moreh. Machlok with you those two rabbis. Had Amar, Elu Sheshalhu Bena'ir Tehida. Which means what are considered the Rishonim, the original ones. The first ones that were sent, that right, that originally were lost, those are considered the Rishonim. And they go to Tiklin Hatin. 
The Harna Amar, meaning, and the other one says, Ahirin, the other rabbi says, Elu Shegiu Gizbarin Now, the ones that got to the Gizbarin's hand first, which is the second ones, yeah. which is once they lost the first ones, they had to replenish. So that got to Gizbarin first. That's considered Teklin Hatin. And the ones that were stolen and found, they go to Teklin Hatikin. Halacha Bet. And we start the next Mishnah. A guy uh, gives his friend a shekel uh, in order for him to be his agent to go give his shekel for him to the gizbar. Right? To be shekel for him. But the agent was a ramai. He was a, he was a crook. What did he do? Instead of giving it for the for the guy that sent him, he gave it with kavana for himself. So now the Mishnah says, "Im If already the teruma was nitram, which means he's on the way there, right? It's already after Aleph Nisan. So the Bentham Gashrad is starting to take the coins and they're starting to spend them. So we say, if already the coins started to be spent. So now already, what do we say? That coin that this guy is holding over here already belongs to Higdish. Now what is this guy doing? He's taking something that belongs to Higdish, and he's using it now for personal use. Now, we have to understand why is it considered personal use. Really it's for, it's for the Higdish. We'll see that in a moment. But the point is, he's going to be considered Mu'il. It's considered Me'ila. And what's the deen in Me'ila? Me'ila is you have to bring a Korban and the whole process. So again, if the Tiruma was taken, meaning it's after Aleph Nisan already, the, the, the Kohanim starting to spend the money. Ma'al. He is considered uh, Mu'il. Right? Because again, like we learned earlier, when they taught him the, uh, the, the, the boxes, they have in mind, not only for what's here, but for the coins that are on the way. Mm-hmm. And since this coin was on the way, and this guy over here has Kavanah to mm-hmm. take for it himself. for himself, so therefore it's considered Mu'il in the Egdesh. <coughs> now, again, the Gibbara will explain with Hana'ah, to be Mu'il, you have to have Hana'ah. The Gibbara will explain what benefit did you get. You didn't take it for yourself. After all, you gave it to the... Kodesh. Not only that, we have a rule, mitzvot lavi hanot nitanu. Meaning you gave it to buy a korban. That's not considered a personal benefit. So the Gemara will answer that. Let's go to the next case in the Mishnah. Second case of the Mishnah. A person took his mahasita shekel from something that was hegdish. Which it was consecrated already for something else. So he took a Hegdesh coin and he brings it to the Beta Megdash for his Hefa Shekel. And again, they took the Turumot, they started to empty out the boxes to start to spend the money. And not only that, they actually bought the animals and they sacrificed the animals. Ma'al. Meaning in this case, the Mishnah is telling you, Ma'ila mm-hmm. doesn't take place until they, until they actually spend the money. Mm-hmm. Meaning. The Gizbar takes the coins, right? He goes to a, uh, a vendor, and he buys animals for the Betta Mikdash. Mm-hmm. Pay the money. The vendor's holding the money. There's no Me'ilah yet. Once the animal that was sold was put on the Mizbayah, now at that point it's considered Me'ilah. Mm-hmm. So in the second case, they tell you the Me'ilah doesn't hit until when? 
until the money that he gave was actually spent. Meaning, when you take something like this, like this guy took a Hegdish coin, to take Hegdish and give it to Hegdish, there's no Me'ilah yet. Hegdish only takes place when you took something like this and it went to Chulim. Meaning you took it out of the dish and it went now to something that's whole. When does this coin go to Chulim? The vendor is holding the money, right? Mm-hmm. When the vendor is holding the money and the animal is brought on the Mizbayah, at that point the Mishnah is implying, Mila. now this money is whole. Oh, that money is whole. You took Kodesh money. And you now made it whole because now the vendor could take the vendor can go buy uh, pizza with this money. It's his personal money. It's whole. So therefore, at that point, you are moral. Now, the Rabbi Ovadiyah Bertunur speaks out. In the first case, it's the same deen. The first case as well. In a case where a guy took uh, somebody else's coin and spent it uh, in the Beit Hamikdash, you know, for himself, the deen is as well. There's not There's no me'ilah until the money is given to the vendor. And the Qurban is spent. That's the way uh, Rabbeinu Ovajah says. Okay? So both cases are the same deen. Other commentators like Taklin Hattin learn differently. And they want to make a haluk between the first case where it started off as Hulin. And the second case where it started off as Hegdesh. But again, if we're learning like the Bartanura over here, to make it simple, both cases have the same halakha that you have to... The, the, the mi'ilah doesn't take place until when? It was spent and the korban was brought on the Mizbeh. I mean, the money that they bought, the korban, they took that korban and they sacrificed it. Now, the Mishnah concludes with one more deen. There's actually three deen even in this Mishnah. Now we get to the third deen. Mima'asir sheni. Let's say a person has money of Ma'asir Shini. Mm-hmm. Let's review what is money of Ma'asir Shini. person has to bring Ma'asir Shini is 10% in the certain years of the Shemitah, in the first, second, fourth, and fifth years of Shemitah, Tiru Shalayim and Itam. Let's say it's too heavy for him to carry all his wheat or his uh, produce up to Shalayim. He puts the Kiddushah of the Ma'asir on a coin, mm-hmm. on money. He takes the money up to Yerushalayim. This is called the case of a Maser Sheni. And in Yerushalayim he's poded. And he goes and he uh, buys food. And he eats the food in Yerushalayim as Maser Sheni food. Mm-hmm. Good. Let's say this guy took the coin of Maser Sheni. That was earmarked for Maser Sheni. And he used it for his Maser Shekin. Or another guy, the Mishnah says, Demesh Shviyit. Demesh Shviyit is a person, let's say during the Shemitah year, he was selling the produce of his field, and he gets money. That money is called the Meshavirit. The Meshavirit is not allowed to use for personal usage. You have to spend the Meshavirit to buy food and dafka eat it during the Shemitah year. You can only spend it on food that's permissible to buy during the Shemitah. So therefore, the guy took his Meshavirit. And instead of uh, doing it, you know, when he has to do it during the Shemitah, he used it for Ma'zita Shekin. Meaning he took one Hayyuv, and he covered a, another Hayyuv. So the Mishnah says on this, Yochal Kenegdan. Which means, what he has to do with what the Gemara is going to say is, is uh, you're going to actually have to take a, another coin, right? Transfer the Kiddushah. Of the coin that you gave to the Bet Tavadash, because that coin is invalid. That's a, that's a Maaseh Shani coin. You have to take the Kiddushah off that coin, put it on a new coin. Now you freed up the Maaseh Shani coin so it can be your Maaseh Hashekel coin with the new coin 
Go to Yerushalayim, buy food, and uh, eat. The same thing with the Damesh Shavi'it. Transfer the Kiddushah to Damesh Shavi'it to a different coin. Now you freed up that Mahasita Shekel. Because again, you can't give Mahasita Shekel when it has another Hayyuv on it. You can't, you can't cover one Hayyuv with another Hayyuv. You've got to free it up. Once you free it up, now you take that money and do what you have to do with it for Damesh Shavi'it. And the Mahasita Shekel counts. And we'll see that explicitly in the Gemara. That means Yochal Kenegdan. You eat the worth of what you gave, but not before you transfer it first on a, another coin. Now the Gemara says, Hashokin. Okay, that's talking about over here, where a person uh, took, this is the second case of the Mishnah, you took your shekel from Higdish. Right? It was a Kodesh coin already, from before. So you took shekel from Higdish, and you gave it to the Gizbar. What do we say? Once... The money is spent. And the korban is brought. Mm-hmm. At that point, that fellow is Mu'ail Behigdesh. So the Gibbara says, <coughs> Anan Taninan, we learned in our Mishnah, In Karba Habehema, that the Me'ira doesn't take place until the Behema was brought. Vetane Deber Rabbi, but we have a Braita from Rabbi that says what? The Me'irat takes place once the money was given to the vendor. Once they spent it. You mean at the earliest days? Yes, yes. Before the Qurban was brought. So now we have a stira. Make up your mind. When does the Me'irat take place? When he gives the money to the guy to buy the Qurban? The Gizbar, the Bet Bet in charge of buying Qurbanot. So Al Mishnah says, no, he gives the money, there's no Me'irat yet. Not until the Qurban is actually brought on the Mizbaya. Oh, the Mishnah. The Braitha comes up and says, no. Me'ilah takes place earlier. Once he gives the money to buy the Qurban, and the vendor holds on to that money, bingo, there's Me'ilah. So comes the Gemara, and as we, how are we going to reconcile this? So the Gemara says like this. So, okay, so we have Girsa'ot over here. So let's just re- let, 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 let's uh, navigate through these Girsa'ot. Okay, so we read again, has Shokin. Anan Tanina Nim Karba Habehema Vetana de Bira Bi in the Trema Ateruma. Skip the parentheses of Anan Tanina. Okay, still part of the question. Now, in the Trema Ateruma, Vetana de Bira Bi in Karba Habehema. Which means uh, we have a, uh, a question over here that one place it says in the Trema Ateruma. Which is mashma, just if they spent it. And we have another place that says what? That the bride that we learned in the Bible is in Karba Habema. The Gemara is asking a question over here. We have, it seems, two shitot. When Me'ilah takes place. Does Me'ilah take place at the time the Qurban is sacrificed? Or is Me'ilah taking place at the time the money is given to the vendor? From Al Mishnah, it's clear that it takes place at the time the Qurban is brought. So we want to know who's the Shitot, who's the Mishnah, or who's the opinion of the Braita. So the Gemara says, Man Tana in the So we're trying to find out who's the opinion that says that the Me'ilat takes place the second the vendor gets the money. Not like Al Mishnah. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Shimonhi. It's Rabbi Shimon. How do you know? Da'amar Rabbi Shimon, Miyad Hayam Mikabel Ma'otav, Vakuanim Zirizim En. 
Now, there's a big mahlukit amongst the Tanaim, how it worked in the Beit HaMikdash. The Beit HaMikdash had to buy a lot of product. They had to buy flour, for example, yeah. from Minahot. They had to buy a lot of wine for the Nisahim. And as well, they had to buy a lot of Kurbanot, for animals for the Kurbanot. So what would they do? They would take the money of the Mahasita Sheikh, let's say. They would go to these vendors and they would give them the money. However, the deen was that Hegdesh took the advantage. The vendor did not own the money until the Qurban was brought. Why? Because Hegdesh wants to protect themselves. Because let's say something happens to the animal. Maybe the animal is a Baal Moon. Or maybe something's happened, the spoilage of the wine. Or the spoilage of the, uh, of the, uh, of the flour. So therefore, only until it was brought, right, then, it then they'd get paid. Right, so until that point, uh, there, was no, there, was no, uh, there was no payment. So therefore, Al Mishnah obviously is following that opinion. That Mi'ilad does not take place until the Qur'an is brought. Because so until that point, the money doesn't belong to the vendor. The money still belongs to Hikdesh. However, the Bishim'on said no. The Bishim'on says, you give the money to the vendor immediately, and he owns it from the beginning. Why? Because Qur'anim zidizim him. We know that the Kohanim are very zealous and they're not going to delay to things becoming spoiled and things becoming a Ba'amun. Once Kohanim take charge of the produce or the product, so right away we can trust them. So therefore the Bishamon holds what? Me'ila will take place the second the money is transferred. You don't have to wait until the Qurban is brought. So therefore we have a Mahluk and amongst the Tana'im here, at what point Me'ila takes place? Again, Kohanim Azariz. Once they give the money to the vendor, he owns that money right now. Because the Kohanim are getting product. And the Kohanim Azariz to make sure that nothing's going to happen to this product. So therefore, it is considered Mi'ila immediately. We learned in the Mishnah. We go back to the first case. The first case was a guy gives his friend a shekel. He says, okay, you be my shaliyah, give the shekel for me. The guy, instead of giving the shekel for his friend, he went and gave it for himself. So the Gemara says, Vikasha. We have a kasha over here, because the Mishnah is implying that the original owner is not Yotzeh, his shekel. Which now we discuss, it's this, the guy who stole it, He's considered Mu'el, but it sounds like the original guy, he is still uh, obligated to give a, another shekel. So the Gemara says, why should that be so? Let's say a guy designated a Qurban Ola. His friend steals the Qurban Ola. Brings it to the Beit HaMikdash. Doesn't tell the Kohanim whose it belongs to. He just shuhayr it setam. Lo l'shem ba'alim arishonim doesn't it make a pair for the original owner? Which means since he didn't designate and tell the Quran, listen, this is mine. Stam kavana, stam kavana, whoever it belongs to. So the same thing over here. When this guy came to give the half a shekel, we're assuming at this point he didn't say uh, this half a shekel is for uh, Ploni ben Ploni for himself. He just dropped the half a shekel in the box. Good. So what do I give his kavana was for himself? Bottom line, since it was stam, it'll go to the original, the original owner. owner. So therefore, Lekaudah, he should be, um, he should be covered. He should be considered fulfilling his obligation. So comes, why is it considered Ma'al? Why you tell me he stole? He didn't steal. Drop it in the box, it goes to the original owner. Amar Rav Yudan, 
Sav Yudan said, Tipater bimsuyam. We have to say, when he gave the Yefes Shekel, he identified it as if it is his. Now, how do he identify it? <clears throat> so it says, for example, we see there was a family of Rabban Gamliel that they gave their Yefes Shekel in a very identifiable manner. How did they give it? Meshel bet Rabban Gamliel from the family of Rabban Gamliel used to send the eldest in the family of Rabban Shemam Gamliel and when the Kohanim were emptying out the boxes you know, putting it into the smaller boxes or to go buy merchandise they would wait to give their head a shake at that point and the second they would start emptying out the boxes the Gadol would take all the coins of the family and he'd flick them with his fingers right next to the box and wait so the Kohanim will actually scoop, Sweep he would watch them scoop his coins into the box and then be Torim. Which is, they wanted to see with their own eyes that their money was being spent for the, um, for the uh, Korbanot. Which is, they gave their shekel in a very pronounced way. So they're saying, could be this guy did the same thing. When he went, he gave it in a way where it was clear he was doing it for himself. So again, Michel Bet Rabangam Liel. He was he would you know time it and push his coins right uh, into the kupa and and the and the uh, gizbar knew what was going on over there obviously so therefore we're just trying to say that if he gave it in an identifiable identifiable manner like the film of Rabban Gamliel so you can't say no it's stam it's not stam over here so the Gemara says wait. Wait. Let's say they, he gave it. Let's say to the to the Beit Hamikdash. Good. He gave it. Let's say uh, in the in the box. He put it in the box. And even if he put it, let's say for himself, it's not necessarily even when he put it in the box for himself that it's going to be spent on korbanot sibur. Why? Because now it's in the big box, the big kupa. What does Gizbar do? He scoops up coins right, into a, another box and then he goes and spends. Who said that that coin is going to be scooped up? Well, let's say it doesn't get scooped up. It remains in the box. That stuff that remains in the box is considered shirayim. It's considered leftover shekadim. It's not spent for korbanot sibur. It's spent for other things in the Beit HaMikdash. And we hold that there's no me'ilah at that point. Me'ilah is only on the money that they spend for the Qurbanot Sibur. Now, do we know 100% that when this guy gives the money, it's going to be spent for Qurbanot Sibur? Could be that coin was not scooped up. Could be it goes into the Shidayim box. And if it goes into the Shidayim box, there's no me'ilah. Now, let's finish the thought. How could the Mishnah say it's Me'ilah? Now Me'ilah you have to bring a Qurban. But he's going to bring a Qurban in the Beit HaMikdash. If there's no Me'ilah, he's bringing Hudin Lazara. Oh, Meaning when you bring a Qurban as a Kapara, if you're not obligated on that Qurban, it's Avon. Because you're bringing a Qurban that's not necessary into the Beit HaMikdash. You're bringing really what's called Hudin Lazara. So to give us really, how do you know for certain that there's Me'ilah over here? And we read that inside. Gemara says, Vehash lomar sheme leshidayim hen noflim. Right? Let us suspect that maybe the coin fell to shidayim. 
which means at the time that they were collecting the monies, maybe this one fell through and was not collected, and it goes to what's called Shirel Lishka. Mm-hmm. And the Gemara says, V'chi yesh Bishirayim? No. And is there me'ila bishirayim? Ela kirebi mi'ir. Well, yes, we found one opinion that says there's me'ila. Kirebi mi'ir omer mu'alim bishirayim. So that's one option. You consider our Mishnah is going like Rebi mi'ir that says there's me'ila bishirayim. But if we have another option, there's two ways of learning this uh, line over here. Either as a statement or as a question. You can either say that the Mishnah is going like Rebi mi'ir, but we'd rather give another answer, not make the Mishnah like Rabbi Meir. So the Gemara says, We can explain as well, it's talking about where it was, Misuyam. Not only did you give an identifiable matter, but you did it in a way where you were standing right over there and made sure that the Kohanim took that coin. How? Like, Shilbet Rabban Gamliel, Shayam Mitkaven their family on the not only did they make sure it gets in the box, but they stood over the Kohen, making sure that he took that coin. So therefore, you have to add to the case. He was there, uh, making sure it got into the box, and why make sure that he was told him. So therefore, there's definite me'ila. Now the Gemara asked the question that we have from the beginning. Where's the Hana over here? Meaning, you're telling me the guy's Mu'il. Now, Mu'il usually is you take something of Kodesh, and use it for personal use. Here, the guy took the coin. What did he do? He gave it to the Beit HaMikdash. What did the Beit HaMikdash use his coin for? Korbanot. Mm-hmm. So you're going to tell me, oh, that's Yahana'ah. No. We have a law that says, Mitzvot, lavli hanon itanu. That a benefit from a mitzvah, that's like a sin of Hana'ah. It's going to be personal. Where's the personal Hana'ah over here? So the Gebra says, Amar Rabbi Abin, Beshem Rabbanan de Taman, Meaning, Rabbi Abin said in the name of the rabbis of over there, that's me, the rabbis of Babel, Mekevan, Shebet Din, Reuyin, Lemashken, Velo Meshkenu, Kemoshinehene. We learned in the Mishnah yesterday's daf that let's say God doesn't pay his Mahasita Shekel, they can come and extract it from him. Right? They take a Meshkon from him. So therefore, this guy, by giving the half a Shekel, he, get he now saves himself from having another coin extracted from him. So what did he do? He has Hana'ah. He saved the half a coin. So therefore, that's the Hana'ah. The fact that Betin cannot be bemashkin you, so therefore you benefited. At that point, there is the Na'ila. Last point of the uh, Gemara. We said, Ma'asir Shani, and from Demish, if you eat your Chalkin Egdan. You took Ma'asir Shani money, you gave it as Ma'asir Tashikil. You took Demish, if you eat money, you gave it as Ma'asir Tashikil. So what's the deen? So the Gibra says like this. How do you know that that money you cannot use for Ma'asir Tashikil until you clear it up? Now, because bottom line is Ma'asir Shani on this money. It's money of Ma'asir Shani. You gave it as Ma'asir Tashikil. You are not your same Ma'asir Tashikil until you clear that money up. Because it's, it's, there's a hayyub on this. Now, this is just a sevara peshutai. You don't need pesukim for this. The sevara is obviously, how could you fulfill one hayyub with an item that already is earmarked for another hayyub? This is true. The Gemara is just bringing a pasuk as an asmachta to show you this concept. Why? What does it say? Dikhtiv. It says, by a bechor. Now, we know a bechor is, is kadosh. Ach bechor asher yibukad la Hashem ba Yada se bechor behema lo yagdish a person cannot sanctify as another korban. Why? It's Kodesh already. And from this pasuk we learn not only a bechor, but for that matter any item that has kedusha, 
you can't designate it for another Kedusha. So the Gemara says, Kol Shehu Kodesh, and Kedusha, Hala Alav. Anything that's Kodesh already, you cannot put a, another Kedusha. Shnei Kedusha don't go on one item. So the Gemara says, So what do you do? You get ready, you're ready, you gave the Masit shekel. From your Masishini money. So, how do you rectify it? So the Gemara says, Bring another coin of Hulin. Wherever the Ma'ot Masishini is, which means now it's in the box. Right. So you say, Let the Kiddushah of that Masishini go on this coin. Nitpas l'shem Maseshni. Now that Sela will have the Kiddushav Maseshni. Vashar, meaning, and the rest that you gave, Naasu Shekali. And you do the same thing for the Meshavi'it. Wherever the Meshavi'it is, let the Kiddushav, that money, go on this coin. So now your Maasita Shekel is counted. Now with that money, you gotta go to Yerushalayim, of course, and use it for food and do whatever you have to do with the Maseshni or the Meshavi'it money. Baruch Amen. Amen.